Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Yo, B, they ready. Let's go. Feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling my, feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling my, feeling my, feeling myself. I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling my. I'm with some hood girls looking back at it and a good girl in my tax bracket. Got a black card and less sex habit. These Chanel bags is a bad habit. I, I do balls, sell Mavericks. My Maybach, Black Maddie. Never left, but I'm back at it and I'm feeling myself. Jack Rabbit, feeling myself. Back off, cause I'm feeling myself. Jack off, can you think about me when he wax off? Wax off? National anthem, hats off. Then I curve that bitch like a bad horse. Let me get a number two with some Mac sauce. Or on the run tour with my I'm feeling myself. 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 I'm feeling my. Change the game when that digital drops. Know where you was when that digital popped. I shot the world. Male or female, it make no difference. I shot the world. World stop. Carry on. Kissy on feet. Pretty on feet. Pretty gang always keep them on deep. Rotting, rotting through Texas. Feed them for his breakfast. Every time I whip it, I be talking so reckless. He said, damn, Nikki is tight. I, I said, yeah, Nikki, you right. He said, damn, babe, you so little, but you be really taking that. I said, yes, daddy, I do. Give me like and you. I said, teach me, Nikki, teach me. All this learning here is by you. I'm whipping that work. He's digging that work. I got it. I'm feeling myself. 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 I'm feeling Lines or flow. I have both in an empire also. Keep getting gifts from Santa Claus at the North Pole. Today I'm icy, but I'm praying for some more snow. Let that, let, let, let that know. He in love with that cook. Why, 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 why? Don't ever be learning. You just never get what I be earning. I'm still getting plaques from my records that's urban. Ain't gotta rely on top 40. I am my rap legend. Just go ask the kings of rap. Who is the queen and things of that nature? Look at my finger. That is a glacier. Hit like a laser. Tripping on that work. Trip, trippin' off that perk, flip, flip, flippin' up my skirt, and I be whippin' all that work, taking trips with all them keys, 
Card keys got bees. Singing with the queen bee, and we be whipping all of that tea. Cause we dope girls, we flawless. We the poster girls for owlers. We run around with them bowlers. Only real niggas on my collars. I'm, 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 I'm the big kahuna. Go lift them hoops. No, just on this song alone. Just on her fourth flow. <laughs> You like it, don't you? <laughs> Young Money. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is the first day of August 2015. And thank you for tuning to another episode of The Bright Side with Technicia. Of course, some bank lines are very long, so if you're trying to get your rent paid, baby, you better hop on in there now. Cause bank closing up at one o'clock, but today it's all about really feeling yourself today. <laughs> Cause I have a special guest on, and I'm sure you're gonna be intrigued and interested in this one. Yes, darling, I'm talking about Big Kahuna's. With me is Dave Pounder, and we will be talking about the real reasons man cheat and why us as women we shouldn't really care. Mm. This should be interesting. And Dave Pounder has been in adult entertainment for over a decade. Um, not doing it anymore, as perhaps, and he has an interesting book out, which we will be talking about, and also one of his latest um, documentaries called Risky Business, uh, looking inside America's adult film industry. And this gentleman has appeared in over 100 adult films. And no offense, I watched... Uh, well, let me take that one back. I do watch adult films, so I'm going to have to check out Dave, Dave Founder. Hey, how else do we think that we got in this world, right? But anyhow, if you feel that you want to call in, which I do hope so, do do call in at 347-426-3751, and the chat line will also be open up just for you. Well, here with me is my man, Dave Sounder. What's going on, Dave? What's happening? Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate it. <laughs> you are so welcome. I I just had to reach out to you because I was like, wait a minute. I don't think I ever had a pornographer on. I did have one lady. <laughs> um, She was in Tamalin. Hers was a little differently, but this is very interesting. And like I said, sure? I admit, I have watched the I have watched adult films. I'm not even gonna sit there and lie. People look at you like you simple. Oh, you watch that? Oh, you probably watch it too. You just don't want nobody to know that you that you over there getting your groove on, having free orgasms. Right. But Dave, uh, <laughs> 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 at first, I, I do want to ask, um, how did you even choose the name Dave Pounder? Actually, uh, well, the whole reason I got into porn was I was at a swingers club just as a as a single guy, and uh, there were you know there were other oh, single okay. guys there, and and there was this couple, and I and, and uh, yeah, I started I befriended this guy, and he's like, oh, there's this couple coming that I know, you should hook up with them, and I didn't know anything about swinging. This was like my first time in a swingers club, so mm-hmm. um, I didn't know what the what the rules were. So basically, this couple shows up, and I'm just like. I just started making out with the girl and had sex with her on the couch in front of everybody. I didn't really care. It didn't bother me. And I didn't realize that most of these people, they get a private room or they go somewhere, you know. Um, so then this guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, have you ever thought about making movies? And I said, uh, why? He's like, well, you're doing it in front of everybody. You don't care. You can get an erection with everybody around. Like, it didn't bother you. 
And I'm like, I would totally do that. So then he, he hooked me up with this guy who was named Adam, who was the production manager for a company at the time called Wildlife Video. And I went down there, and mm-hmm. then it's, you fill out the forms. It says stage name, which is like, what should the stage name be? And uh, so at first, I, I called myself Benoit Ball. <laughs> I didn't even know what they were, but my middle name is Benoit. <laughs> like, I was like, that'd be right. funny, you know? And then I find out they were anal beads. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't do anal. And I'd, you know, so I'm like, I'm gonna, let me change that. So I called the guy who got me in, who hooked me up with Adam, the guy from the Swingers Club. I'm like, I need a porn name. He's like, you should be Dave Pounder, but spell it two words, P-O-U-N-D-H-E-R. And the two words, like one word together, but pound her. So I put it on a business card, and it looked really stupid, like handing out a business card that said P-O-U-N-D-H-E-R. So I just got Why? rid of the H and just called it Pounder because there actually are real people named Dave Pounder. And then I got an email from a guy like a couple of years later. like, thanks for ruining my name. Because <laughs> now when people Google the real Dave, you know, like a real Dave Pounder, they find all this porn. So uh, that's how the name kind of be kind of came about, you know? Right, because I think it's, um, I know that most people probably have gotten you mixed up with David Mesh. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's my other name. That's that's the legal name uh, for all the other businesses right. and things. Like <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah, and it's it is. Like it's I, I, I went I went with Dave with Dave Pounder because I knew like if I was out at the time like back in, like, now my whole life is integrated you know, I kind of everything's together but like if I had a porn name that was like uh, Mark Smith right and I'm out with like family and someone comes up and says hey Mark everyone's gonna be like why are they calling you Mark you know what I mean so when I first got in the business I was like well you know if I use the same first name then if people come up to me and I'm with vanilla or mainstream friends and they say hey um, hey Dave you know what I mean hey it's Dave like like a fan or something. At the time, nobody would, nobody would have been suspicious that people were calling me by my real name. Why? You know? Oh, I bet. Now, that would be odd if you were to give me your credit card, because most of the time, see, I work in the food industry as a waitress, mm-hmm. and, you know, when you get people turn cards, you look at their last name, you like, ooh, okay. Now, imagine getting that name. You'd be like, oh, all right, Pounder, oh, okay. Like I probably like here you go, Dave. All right. <laughs> well, again, and there are, there are really there are a lot of Dave Pounder. Like I mean, if you like just uh, go to like the white pages, like, they have like these online phone directories, you know. And if you type in, you know, like Peter North or Ron Jeremy, I mean, there are real people named Ron Jeremy and Peter North and Dave Pounder and these and these right. other type of porn names. So I just think it's kind of funny if you're them, you know, like if you just have a funny name like Joe Glasscock, you know what I mean? And, and some porn guy comes out with Joe Glasscock, then all of a sudden, uh, you know, you're like, you're all over the internet, even though it's not you, you know? Well, let me ask Dave, what actually intrigued you on this path to pornography? Because I know you probably could have done anything else. Yeah, I love, listen, I'm a big proponent of sex. I mean, I enjoy sex, provided that it's, you know, <laughs> that it's consensual, you know what I mean? I don't believe in any kind of coercion or forced sex or, you know, all right. human trafficking, all that. I mean, obviously nobody... Nobody agrees with that, um, but I just felt like society had a had a uh, negative sort of social norm surrounding sexuality. People always say, "Oh, you know, when you go to high school, don't get involved with drugs and sex." It's like, you know what I mean? It didn't make any sense to me. It's like, yeah, drugs I understand. Like, there's so much data that shows that if you do yeah, cocaine, that's right. up your life. You know, if you do heroin or LSD, that nobody says, "Wow, you know, I'm so successful and I feel so great because of my daily cocaine use," right? But there are plenty of people that, <laughs> exactly. yeah, that use pornography to, to increase intimacy in their relationships. Sometimes a guy can't get aroused. Maybe he's older, you know. 
and his wife still wants to have sex with him, and they can watch porn together as a couple, and they can, you know, right. And there's so much porn out there, and it always exactly, and it always shows you different moves that you probably didn't even think of, certain phrases that you could probably use. Right, it's it's very helpful. It's but people forbid it, you know, they'll think of it as maybe like a total sin. And I know you probably have had confrontations on that, been in the industry. Oh, you're sinning. That's not moral. Um, yeah. Especially if Absolutely. you're involved in how, how was it been, well, how was it like being involved in a relationship? Did it, did it come at you hard? Well, when you're in the business, you can't really have a relationship. It's hard to be with a girl and be like, okay, I'm going to okay. go out and have sex with some other girl. But when you're out of the business, I thought, like when I got into the business, I thought, okay, I'm never going to be able to have a regular job. I'm never going to have a real girlfriend mm-hmm. again. And I was okay with that. I'm like, you know what, I, I, I accept that. And surprisingly, um, you know, I find that it's actually not difficult to date at all. I mean, if anything, like when I'm in relationships, I'm typically the guy who breaks up. The, like, if we're going gonna to break up, it's usually initiated by me. Um, I... I haven't had any real problems. I mean, clearly there are going to be people who aren't going to date me because I did porn, but at the same time, those aren't the people that I want to date anyways. I mean, I'm a sexually progressive person. You know, I support pornography. I support legalized, regulated prostitution. Like, I support, you know, women's uh, rights to choose, you know, Planned Parenthood, things like this. So usually that's pretty – yeah, of course, and that's correlated, I think, with with people who are, who are in pornography. People who are pro-sex are usually pro-civil rights and all these other things. So, you know – I don't mind that, you know, if some super conservative religious girl doesn't want to date me, that's fine. But I wouldn't have dated her anyway, even if I wasn't in porn. I would have been like, I don't want to date you because you think, you know, gay people shouldn't be able to get married. I'm like, why not? Let them get married. Like, who cares? Like, like how can you be so close-minded is what I would think of, of the people who don't support that, that movement. And I get that half, right. half the country doesn't, half the country does. But when it comes to a relationship, you want to share those values. So. So the, the person that would be opposed to the whole porn thing is, is probably somebody I don't want to be with anyways. And if you're going to marry somebody conceptually, you're only going to be, you can only marry one person unless you're Mormon, right? So it's like, the um, what do I care if 99% of the girls aren't interested in As long as I can find the one that I'm interested in that doesn't mind it. And again, I've had no problems at all, really, in the uh, in the dating realm. If anything, I give my friends advice on how they can do better. You know? Right. Exactly. Now, you know, reading your biography, you have done a lot. And I love the fact, like you said, you support not degrading women. Even in your videos, no anal sex, no violence, no bondage, and all that tying up. And you even support the fact that we forget a lot of times to use these condoms. We think, oh, I look at these porn. Yeah, but at the same time, I like to see the ones that use condoms. Yeah, promote. Right. I, I do. I like to see the ones that promote that in their videos. You're supposed to. We walk around yeah. like you're supposed to be carefree. Oh, don't wear a condom. Do as you please. Let's all walk around freely. Yeah. And that's why so many of us walking around don't even know that we have the disease now because we walk around with no care attitude. And those videos right. I do commend. If they wear a condom, hey, all kudos. I mean, even though, yeah. you know, with the oral sex part, it's like, okay, well, oral mm-hmm. sex, you can still get it. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah exactly. I do. Yeah. I'm right behind you, Dave, on that. I commend you so much because you have, even though you, you have been in this adult industry, you still promote out a positive thing, letting people know this is this is reality. All, all jokes set aside, no matter what my profession was, this is the reality of it. This is what can happen. Let's, right. Totally. And, I mean, 
and that's the thing. Like, you know, people not the thing about using condoms more is is one part is what you said, that kind of signaling to the viewers that it's that it's normal to use condoms, et cetera. But the other component too is just is protection of the performers themselves, right? Like when the performers go to work, right. they shouldn't be obligated to get chlamydia or, or gonorrhea. I mean, the thing is is like right. you know, when I when I was working on the business, everybody was getting chlamydia and gonorrhea. At least, I mean, if you were in the business for more than a year and you didn't get chlamydia or gonorrhea, it's like you're just not working enough. You know what I mean? Like it was a it was a a recurring thing, but it wasn't a big deal. You're just taking an antibiotic and it goes away, but you still shouldn't have to be taking antibiotics and having your system build up resistance to it. You know, they have these vaccines, for example, for like hepatitis A and B and the Gardasil shot. And, you know, they should mandate that if you're going to do porn that you get these vaccines as part of a sort of a regulatory scheme that doesn't currently exist that should exist. You know, I think that they should, you know, have the state license adult performers in the way that Las Vegas licenses uh, strippers or, or brothel workers. Um, so that you place the age verification on the state and not on the producer. And, you know, everybody, you know, the, the girl then or, or the guy, you know, gets mandatory knowledge about what the rate structure is, what their rights are on the set, um, what, the ha- what happens, what, they get, what their options are if they don't get paid or if, there's, you know, if, they, if they are to contract an STD on set. Um, so, you know, things are moving in that direction as, we, as society becomes more and more sexually tolerant, which I think it is, thanks to the Internet. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, even think about this show, right? This is a blog mm-hmm. talk radio show. It's on the internet, right? Like, like if right. you didn't have this this medium to have this show of yours, you would be limited to being like, okay, will CBS Radio take my show? You know, will will Clear Channel take my show? And if and you're going to go to Clear Channel or CBS Radio and go, yeah, I have this show about, uh, you know, set. Not, I mean, I'm not saying your show is about sex, but I'm just saying like having me on, or let's just say you had a show that you always talked about sex. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't think so, <laughs> right? And then it would shut it out. Right, that's not going to happen. wouldn't be right. able to get the message. So the Internet really right. helps exactly. people, uh, normalize. Because the thing is, is when you start talking to people, if you read blogs and stuff about people who have a lot of sex, it's usually positive. Oh, I met this girl. It was fun. Or, you know, this couple met another couple. They had a good time. And when you read, like, blogs <clears throat> about drug use and alcoholism, you can see the, the, the sheer frustration of, like, oh, my God, my – Husband just got in a car accident. He hit a pole. He's in the hospital. I wish he'd stop drinking. Like, there's clearly negative consequences. N- nobody's writing these blogs about how, oh yeah, you know, I got hammered again last night. It was so great. I feel awesome the next day. It's like I got eight hours of sleep. It's always like, I got. I feel like crap. I feel like a train wreck. I'm throwing up this morning. I have a headache because I drank too much. You know, so that's why I think it's it's not normal to conflate sexuality with drugs and alcohol and firearms and all these other things right. that people and to loop it in with, you know? Exactly. And see, that's why, that's why I say I love it, because it's those more. I know that that's what people probably think in the day, just having this show. It's just going to be about sex. No, but we also have to target main issues out there. Like you said, we got to look at what's real in front of us. Um, but that, let me ask, I also want to ask this too, like when you brought that out, that you was going to pornography, what, responses did you get from your family friends well i'm very i've always been open i mean i've i've never i'm the type of person that if i do something like, like right now if i like this afternoon decided all of a sudden i'm going to shoot up heroin when i talk to my friends I'm like you don't believe <laughs> I, what i did today i tried heroin and here's what happened you know like because there's a reason i'm doing it right like if, if i'm ashamed right. of something like i'm straight i'm completely straight okay so if some guy comes up to me and says i'll give you two thousand dollars for a blowjob i'll be like I'm good, dude. Thanks. You know, like I, I'm fine. We, yeah, we'll right. Somebody else, right? Now, I wouldn't. Really, and if I really, really needed the money, then I would hit up my friends for money, or I'd take a loan, or I would downsize my my standard of life. 
but I would never do anything that I don't want to do that I would be ashamed of or regret. And I tell girls and guys that in porn, I'm like, whatever you do on camera, don't do in your real life. I mean, if you're a girl and you don't do anal, don't do anal on film. You know, wait till you do it with your friend or, you know, your boyfriend or whatever, and then ease into it, do it with a performer you're comfortable with, et cetera. So when I did my first shoot, you know, literally it was kind of, I was at the swing club and I was, you know, and then literally like two days later, I'm, I'm at the porn shoot. And, you know, I call my mom like once a week or something. So I call my mom. She's like, oh, what's up, Bobby Ben? I'm like, oh, I made a porn this this weekend. She's like, no, really. She's like, no, really. You know, what, what did you do? I'm like, no, no, I made a porn. She's like, all right, come on. Stop being stupid. What'd you do? And I told her. And then when she realized I was serious, like she wasn't happy because she's kind of really religious. My dad thought it was kind of funny. Like he just kind of laughed. <clears throat> but the funny thing is that when I got into it initially, I was just doing it part time. You know, I was at the swing club on, at night sometimes. And then I would go to the porn shoot on the weekend or at night. Uh, Because I was still working at the bank. So my dad just thought it was funny, like extra income. And then when I quit the bank, you know, to go full time in the porn, that's when my dad wasn't too happy. And then he made me pay him back the loan he gave me um, for grad school. But I just, I literally, you know, I'm cheap. So I just saved all my money. So I just wrote him a check. I'm like, here you go. I wrote him a check for like whatever the balance was, like 20 grand. And uh, then I was free to pursue my uh, porn entrepreneurship. And it was good. And, you know, even to this day, like, you know, I'll talk to my mom. I mean, I'm still... I have a sort of a more progressive view on dating and I don't really believe in like just having one partner sexually. Like, I, you know, I, I'm emotionally monogamous. Like I want to have like one girl that I, that I love and that I go on a cruise with and that I go travel with and go to a nice restaurant with, but I still want to have right. sex with other girls. And most guys I know do as well. They just don't tell their wives cause they don't want to hurt their wives or, you know, they're sneaky about it. Um, so I'm sort of now trying to don't want to end up talking about yeah, or don't want to end up on end up on a news station, you know. Wife killed her husband. He came and confronted yeah, her. Yeah, I know, right? You know those <laughs> <laughs> those type of things. Yeah, let's let's get into that, Dave, because now that's what you do talk about the real re- right. the reasons why men actually cheat and why we shouldn't care. Now, why sh- why shouldn't we care? Well, first of all, oh, I need I need to hear this, my brother. Okay. Oh. Well, the first thing is male infidelity is. Uh-huh is ingrained in our psychology. It's in our genetics. And the reason for that, so in other words, when a guy, if you have a boyfriend and he cheats on you, it's not because of you. It has nothing to do with you. Nothing. Like you might as well be like his friend or it doesn't, like it's it's like saying we're together. I made you lasagna the first time we met. I can't believe you ate a cheeseburger when lasagna is our meal. And then you start crying and thinking he doesn't like your cooking. And he's like, what? Like, I had hamburger. <laughs> Mix it up a little bit. I still love your lasagna, you know. And and the and so there's a couple of things. So first of all, you got to realize that men and women face different adaptive problems over evolutionary time. So for example, women have have you know breasts and breastfeed. Men do not, right? And there's a reason yeah. for that because okay. women birth and women have breasts, uh, evolved breasts basically, and for the adaptation, for the, for the adaptive problem of, of feeding nutrients to their babies after they're born. Men don't give birth, therefore they don't have breasts, which is why what men don't lactate, and this is why uh, men and women are different in that regard. So we'll, most people will agree that men and women have different chests, for example, for different adaptive problems, or different genitals, hard to see for different adaptive problems. But every, we think we have the same brains. We don't have the same brains. Our brains are wired completely different for those same adaptive problems. Now, everything about sexuality is really all about reproduction. Whether or not you want kids from an evolutionary perspective, it's all about getting your genetics into the future. Men are more successful in an evolutionary sense since we don't carry the babies. It's much cheaper. For, it's a lower cost for us to even have sex. That men, it's in our interest to basically have sex with the entire world, in theory, impregnate everybody, <laughs> in theory, and then we're just hoping that the majority of our offspring survive. 
factors, the more kids we have, the more likely they are to survive. Women, on the other hand, can only have a fixed number of children. I could have, you know, I could have 100,000 babies if I had six or five growth a day for the rest of my life. Women can only have a certain number unless they hit menopause, there's no more eggs. So for women, mating is a very, very costly decision. It's very, very costly. If you mate with the wrong guy, you might get bad genetics for your baby. You might get a guy who's not going to provide parenting or resource support once the baby's born. He's not going to stick around. If you're indiscriminate in your mating and you have sex with five guys that are all your friends and you get pregnant, nobody's going to step up to the plate and claim paternity because they don't know who it is. Now, remember, we're not talking about modern paternity tests. We're talking about the way the brain is wired. You know, in, in an evolutionary sense, you know, all this modern technology is 50, 60 years old. But we're talking about hundreds of thousands of years of brain development. <clears throat> so what happens is, is, and I'm sure you know this as a woman, that if you're dating a guy, and, and there's two different scenarios. One scenario is your boyfriend said, uh, I'm sorry, I have to confess. I was at this club, I got a lap dance, and the stripper said if I gave her $100, I could bang her. And I banged her, I used the condom, it lasted 30 seconds. I feel really, really, really bad. Okay, that's option one. And option okay. two is, uh, honey, I, I, I fell in love with this girl I work with. I mean, I, I love you too, but like, you know, I want to go to, I never had sex with her. You know, we've never had sex, but I just, I really care about her. And like, I feel like I want to be with her for, for most women. That second one is worse. She's, you know, that, that, that emotional infidelity is worse than the actual banging the stripper where for men it's reverse. If a girl said, if, if, if her, if his girlfriend went to a bachelorette party and said, it was this hot stripper and uh, I banged him in the back room. I feel really bad. I'm sorry. Or, there's this guy at work that I really like. I think I, guys are more upset about the having sex with the with the stripper because it's a risk of what they call their paternity certainty. Women know who their babies are. You know your baby is your baby. Guys don't know. They call it mama's baby, papa's maybe. So because of that, men right. are much more upset with a sexual indiscretion because the worst thing that can happen to a man from an evolutionary perspective is that somebody else has sex with his wife. She has the other guy's baby, and then this guy invests his resources, energy, and parenting skills in a rival male's offspring. And for women, because you know your babies are your babies, that if a guy has a, a, a physical infidelity, you don't really give it crap because, you know, you are, you know, your baby's yours, and you know your husband's with you, and he's investing in you. But if he falls in love with another girl, then he might leave you, and then you lose his genetic quality for future babies. You lose his good parenting right. skills that attract you to him, and you lose his resources to help your baby develop. And, now, and then uh-huh. it's going to be harder to find a guy that wants to take care of your baby because it isn't his genetically. So this is why men have an evolved desire for partner variety, and this is why women are opposed to it, and that will never change. But the analogy I try to get women to understand about male sexuality is think of it like eating food versus franchising a restaurant, Okay. If I'm going to franchise a restaurant, let's say I want to, let's say I love Italian food and, and I like the Olive Garden, let's just say. So I go to the Olive Garden and I'm like, wow, I really like the menu. I like the way it's laid out. I like the ambiance. I'm going to franchise an Olive Garden. Well, when you franchise an Olive Garden, you're spending a huge amount of initial capital investment in, in, the, in the franchise. You're giving a percentage of your sales to the main corporate office. You're, you're doing all of this investment. You're there eight, nine hours a day sometimes six, seven days a week, managing your investment, operating it, because that's, what, that's your passion and that's what you care about. Now, just because on Wednesday at noon you decide to meet a friend at Cheesecake Factory and have lunch there, you didn't cheat on the Olive Garden. You still love the Olive Garden. It's still your passion. You just went for a little variety at a different restaurant. Now, the Olive Garden could say, 
if it was anthropomorphic. Well, why did you have to eat fettuccine Alfredo at the Cheesecake Factory? Is my fettuccine Alfredo not good enough? No, Olive Garden's fettuccine Alfredo is fine. You just had it every day for the last two weeks, and you just want to mix it up a little bit. It's got a different environment, a different weight staff. Like, you're not going to sit there and franchise a Cheesecake Factory now just because you ate there. You're not going to divest your Olive Garden investment. So, so the relationship for men, the, this emotional monogamy, this emotional pair bond, is the franchising analogy. And cheating, it, you know, analogy is basically I went to a different restaurant, just had lunch. I, I, yeah, you had to give some money, get some resources that could have went over to the to the Olive Garden that's yours, but you have to get the food. And it, it's not bad. It's fine. Or another reason, women like to travel, right? And I could, I could use the same kind of female analogy here. I could say, okay, uh, let's say you live in Denver, Colorado, and, you know, you have airport and you have employment and you have uh, parks and lakes and all these things. And – in, in your, your, uh, Denver, Colorado has feelings, and it's a girl. <laughs> and Denver, Colorado says to you, why do you want to go to Seattle just for a vacation for two days? Like, why? Why do you have to go to that business trip to, to Los Angeles? I have restaurants here. Why can't you just have the conference here? You know, why can't, why can't you uh, just go on vacation here? I know you live in this suburb, but why don't you just go to this other suburb so you can keep your money in Denver? Like, and, and then Denver feels bad. And you, you don't love me if you're going to Los Angeles. We're, we're, we're assigning feelings to these cities. Now, most women I know love to travel. They love to experience new cultures. Uh, they like to meet new people. Um, but just because they go to a different town to travel and go to a different airport, even though Denver has an airport, and goes to different restaurants, even though Denver has restaurants, it doesn't mean they want to move out of Denver, that they're going to pack up their stuff and, and sell. I mean, they have a, an investment in Denver. Maybe they have their family there. Maybe their kids are in school. You know, maybe their jobs there, uh, family there, like – they don't want to just pick up and leave Denver, but at the same token, they want some variety. They want to travel. They want, you know, so the variety is a spice of life. Right. And this is how men view sexuality. Now, women, it's hard for them to relate to that analogy because they're like, well, that's not how I view sex. Because women, again, we, just as women have breasts and men don't, men crave variety. Women don't. Women's sexuality is more like a job. And what I mean by that is um, let's say your job is giving you everything you want. You make six-figure income, you have a great boss, and your commute is like two minutes, so you're not stuck in traffic all day. And you love what you do. Okay, So you got those four things going. And you make, so you make right. $120,000 a year, and I come up to you and I say, hey, why don't I mow my lawn for $20? You, know, you can make some extra money, right? You're going to be like, no, why would I do that? Like, I'm already at work. I don't have as much free time. I want to take my free time and spend it with my family. I don't need the extra $20. My job pays fine. Um, I, I, don't, I don't need the alternate work. So you decline it. You say, no, I'm not interested because my job gives me everything that okay. I need. When do people start looking for another job? When they don't get paid enough. Maybe they get a pay cut. Now, now you know, they cut your right. salary to 50000 because the budget was fine. Your boss not moves. Being you appreci- boss. Not being appreciated enough. Yeah, and your boss becomes an asshole. And they're like, they're mean to you. And, and they, they're right. making you work weekends. Or, or all of a sudden, the company moves to a location that's two hours from work. And now you've got to lose sleep to do a two-hour commute every day you didn't have to do before. When something is missing from the job, then you look for a new job. But the minute you have everything you want in a job, you're not looking for external income. And this is how women work. If, if a woman has a man who's investing in her physically, meaning he's having sex with her you know, on a recurring basis, emotionally, meaning that he's telling her how beautiful she is and how she's feeling and there for her emotionally present, and financially, that doesn't mean she's buying her Mercedes. It just means here's a box of chocolates. Here's some cards. Here's some flowers. I was thinking about you. Here's a little stuffed animal I got you because I thought of you when we went over here. Women like material representations of their love. If those things are all happening, 
the guy is doing all that, and she respects him and his character and his job and all that kind of stuff. Unless she has a past history of sexual abuse or like sustained emotional abuse that would be uh, pathological in the sense of, of making her act out sexually, like within outside the realm of her normal sexuality, she's not going to cheat. She won't. But the minute her man loses ambition and says, you know, I'm the, I'm the uh, vice president of product development for ABC company, uh, I think I'm just going to quit and be a yoga instructor and just downsize. Most girls are like, uh, okay. Uh, and then they start looking for another guy because now that income right. that they were hanging out with goes down. Guys don't do that. We could have the hottest girl in the world and she's a lawyer, and she decides she wants to work at Abercrombie. We're like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> you know? and, and the other thing, too, is they've done research. They did this, I think, in Montreal, where they took a guy, <clears throat> the same exact guy, in like a, mm-hmm. a nice a Bentley, and, they, and then they had girls rate him. They're like, rate this guy's attractiveness, and they gave him you know, eight, nine, et cetera. They took the same exact guy, and they put him like in an economy car, like a Ford Fiesta. Same guy, <laughs> physically, the same everything. And they look at him in the Ford Fiesta, and now he's a four, three and a half, like, like a. a, a, a and it's really sad. Some women, but our society is basically based on that. Most of people, most people do that. They rate you on what you're driving or what you're wearing. Oh, with you're it. driving with that. It. Oh, you really look right. You with really it. look yeah, good now. Right. You ugly. You just ugly. I don't Here's care what you. I don't care if you drive. Care what you drive, you can be driving a Porsche. If you ugly, you just ugly. Ah, I don't think your car thing, cannot make you. But they did that. They, control, they took a guy who was not considered attractive by most social standards. They put him in, in the Bentley. He was like a five or a six. They put him in the Fiesta. He was a one or a two. So the Bentley still gave him <laughs> attractiveness left, right? But here's the thing: when they when they reversed it, they took a cute girl. They took the cute girl. They put her in the. And they put her in the in the Ford Fiesta, and the guy's rating did not change. It was the same mean <laughs> rating of attractiveness. Okay, so this is male wow. sexuality. And, and, and when I say that, um, you know, that women shouldn't care when they cheat, men are going to cheat. We always do. I mean, even if I said to you, if I said, all right, name me five yeah, yeah, celebrities that you know. I said, give me five celebrities that you know that cheated. And I can guarantee you 90% Bill, of them are going to be men. Bill Clinton. Like, Bill, Bill Clinton. I mean, the way. The <laughs> girl. It doesn't have anything to do with you. You can be the best girlfriend in the world, the hottest girl, do everything you want for your guy, and he's going to love you to pieces, but he still wants to have sex with other girls in the same way that you want to travel to other cities and experience other cultures, even though you love where you live. And once women can understand that, that, that we don't perceive it the way that you do, then they feel better. You know, they, they feel better. And, and that's how women never snoop. You know, oh, like some people go, my man, doesn't I'm going to go check his phone. And then you check his phone, you're not going to be happy. I'm like, don't check his phone. You know, ignorance is bliss. Leave the guy alone. He loves you. He's not going to leave you. And, and to deny him that ability, to say, you can't have sex with somebody else, even though I know you want to and it doesn't affect me. All you're doing is being sadistic. If you love this man so much, right? He's your husband. You love him. Why would you like? Why would you deliberately be like you can't have sex even though you want to, even though it doesn't affect the girl? Like he's not leaving her. He's not allocating resources, significant resources to a rival. Like it's just it's like spite. It's like no. It's like me saying to you, I know you really want kids, but you can't have them. You just can't have them, you know, even though there's reasons for not having kids, like overpopulation and the cost of having kids. But all that aside, let's say kids are free and, and there's no population issue. Right. 
just explain how much women love children. Go, no, I know you love it, but I just don't want you to do it. Because then I feel like you don't love me because you're going to love the kid. You love the kid more than me, and I, I don't want that. Like, that's so spiteful. It's like, let the guy cheat. And, and, if, he, and if he's good, he's a good guy, like most guys, they're not going to let you find They're not going to put it in your face. You know, they're going to do it on a business trip or maybe they'll hook up at lunch yeah. at work. And they know it's going to bother you. We know it's going to bother you. It's like telling you to not care, like just don't care, is like telling you to take this teaspoon of sugar and just don't experience mm. sweetness. There's a biological reaction. Oh, man that you're going to get sweetness. I can't tell you not to have sweetness. But what I can tell you is to understand why you're feeling or experiencing sweetness. So if you find out that your husband cheated on you, I, you're going to care. It's not that, it's not that you're, you're going to experience jealousy. It's a natural right. reaction. But the important thing to understand is why you're experiencing the jealousy and to really internalize it and think, is this really a threat to your relationship? And it isn't, you know. So that's why I, I feel bad when a girl marries a guy, they just a family, they have a nice life together. She finds out he was a secretary, and then okay. she wants a divorce. Now she's on her own. You know, the kids are in a smaller place. Nobody's right. happy. The family's apart. And, and it, it was just a biological thing, and maybe she snooped or he was stupid and slipped up and left a condom in his wallet or something. And it's just sad to see, right. to see that happen. So I just, I just wish people would, would do more research and learn about the differences in men and women from an evolutionary perspective. And if you want to do that, you can go to my website, pornographyexpert.com, and uh, there's a bunch of academic well, we did- videos. Yeah, social scientists, well, psychologists. Well, we definitely will make sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, we definitely going to make sure that we do that. We're going to take a short commercial break, and then when we come back with Dave Pounder, I'm going to bring the caller in on the line. So do not touch that dial in. We're going to come right back, and then we're going to discuss also about his book, Obscene Thoughts, and about his documentary, Risky Business. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Talk Radio, baby. Hi, I'm Dustin Lynch. You don't have to listen to country music to know that life can be full of drama. Some of it you just can't control, like your girlfriend running out on you with your best friend. But there's some drama that you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. You just need to take that first step and find free classes near you and start moving towards a brighter future and even your college degree. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Hi, I'm Matt Kenseth. You don't have to be a race car driver to know that life can be full of drama. Some of it you can't control, like mechanical issues, high winds, and rain delays. But there's some drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. You just need to take that first step and find free classes near you and leave the drama for the racetrack. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. All right, we're back on the air with Dave Pounder, who is an expert in reasons why men cheat and the reasons why we women shouldn't care. But, of course, there's probably a woman right now probably got a knife in her man's bedside. So, guys, I promise you probably don't want to close your eyes, but I'm going to bring this caller in. How are you doing today, darling? Good. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Glad to have you on. Well, my question is, whenever girls are sort of, you know, 
almost kind of cool with it. I do know of a couple instances where, you know, they know that the men kind of go out, and it's almost like your guests were saying. It's almost like a um, nature thing for men to sort of stray. What is your take on girls who are all right with that? So the uh, what I've noticed is this, is there's really there's these two kind of polar opposite things, right? So you have monogamous marriage where the man – is monogamous and he's really not happy to be monogamous, but he's doing it for his wife. He's like, you know what? I want to have sex with other girls, but uh, I'm not going to do it. Or maybe he, maybe he's, you know, he is, he says, I'm not going to do it because I love you. And he secretly wants to. And then on the other side, there's the swinger world, right? Where you have these couples that are having sex with all these other people. And like your, like your caller says, you know, like everyone's aware that, you know, the, 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 the girl sees the guy having other sex with other girls. Sometimes she's, she's having sex. And I ask these girls, I interview them, and I say, you know, how do you like being in the lifestyle? Like, would you rather – if your husband came to you and said, listen, uh, let's, I'm done swinging. Let's just be monogamous and have just a traditional relationship. Almost invariably, the women are like, I would do that in a heartbeat. And they'll, they'll say the same things men say about monogamy. I just do the swinging for him. I know he likes it. It, 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 it turns him on. He likes it. I want to do it with him. But secretly, they don't really want to do it. So it's kind of like when a man, again, with, with the monogamous wife, says, I love my wife. You know, we have kids together. We have a great family. I love her. I don't want to leave her. I mean, I want to have sex with other girls, but I'm monogamous for her, right? Now, obviously, when you look at these two scenarios, it's much easier for a man to say he's monogamous and cheat secretly than it is for a woman to swing and not swing secretly. That's impossible, right? If the, if the husband says, come on, honey, let's go to the swing club, and she goes to the back room and says, oh, yeah, I had sex with the guy. And the husband's like, how was she? And he's like, she wouldn't do anything. Like, you know, you can't hide that. You can't hide doing something, but you can hide a nothing. You can say, oh, I didn't cheat, and then you did cheat. So what I find is when women are aware, like in the swinging community, they're secretly hurt. You know, they're, they're, they're subtly hurt, and they'd rather not be doing it. And when men are monogamous, they're subtly hurt, and they'd rather not do it. And, and the reason for this are these divergent uh, adaptive uh, brain development for, for why. Women are supposed to be um, upset when, when men cheat, because the, it's a risk to their resource reallocation if the guy were to fall in love. Right. The women know mm-hmm. that the, guy who's, the woman who's hooking up with her husband, she's not doing it just for sex. She likes him. She's trying to steal him, and that's the risk, right? And for men, you know, if a girl, you know, if a girl is, um, is um, uh, what does the guy not want? Uh, yeah, so, so, but the thing is, is so to, to the caller's really point is, um, the best scenario that I've noticed when I analyze all of these relationships, thousands of relationships and interviews is when, when the guy's monogamous for real monogamous, he, he'd rather not be cheating. I'll say, what if your wife didn't care? Then, you know, then his answer is, of course. Like, it's not even, why would you even ask me that? It's so obvious that I would rather cheat. And if you say to a woman, even if you could cheat, to a woman who loves her boyfriend, she loves her boyfriend, everything's great. And I said, even if you had the opportunity that you could have sex with other guys, they're like, I wouldn't, they're like, I wouldn't want to. Even if, they had, like, even if the husband didn't care, they still wouldn't want to because they don't want to. The woman doesn't want to. So what happens is the best relationships I find are when the man and a woman – are in a perceived monogamous relationship. The guy is telling her he's monogamous, and he's secretly cheating, very discreetly, where she doesn't know. Then everybody's happy because the woman believes she's a monogamous man, and she's maximized in her happiness. Because if she believes otherwise, maybe she'll tolerate it, but she's not as happy about it. And if a man is really monogamous, maybe he'll tolerate it, but he's not as happy about it. But when a man is traveling on business or hooking up with his secretary at lunch, you know, secretly on a on a website and doesn't show his face on like a sex website like Ashley Madison or something. Um, everybody's happy. The guy's happy because he loves his wife. He's getting his sexual variety. The the wife is happy because she believes she's monogamous, and the husband's happy, and everybody's happy. The family's still together, 
that's what I find is the best, is the best relation is the best type of relationship. So, so again, the women that are aware of it, they they tolerate it because they understand how men are, um, but they don't like it. And men who are monogamous are monogamous not because they want to be, but because they understand how women are and they tolerate it. And I think that's really the difference. And if you can just in the analogy I use is like poison, right? Think about poison. If I say to you, um, here's some cereal, uh, and I put some, in, in, and, I, and I don't tell you there's poison in it, so I'm poisoning the cereal, and you're not aware of it, you're going to eat the cereal, and you're not, and, uh, and you're going to die because there's poison in the cereal. So even though you think there's no poison, uh, you're going to die. So the poison kills you. And, and the comparative analogy is. If I tell you that I'm poisoning you, and you're okay with it, let's just say you're agreeing for, for argument's sake, so you, I'm poisoning, and I don't put any poison in your cereal, so you believe in your brain that you're being poisoned, but you're not. I'm, putting, I'm just telling you. You're not going to die, and, and, and the reason you're not going to die is because there's no poison in the cereal. The agent of poison isn't killing you. Now, compare that to cheating. If a guy tells his wife that he's cheating, okay, uh, mm-hmm. that he's not he says, I'm faithful. I'm not cheating. But he really is cheating every weekend with some other girl, but his wife never finds out. Okay? The relationship is still intact. Even though his penis entered a million different vaginas over the course of their marriage, if she never finds out, if her knowledge remains intact, her belief of monogamy as opposed to actual monogamy, we're thinking about the belief of poison versus the actual poison. The actual poison kills. With cheating, if a guy's penis entered a vagina and then the wife had a heart attack, that's a real reason not to cheat because now you're actually harming your wife. It's like penis passes vaginal plane, wife has heart attack. Then it's bad. Then I would say oh, don't that. cheat. Don't do it. You're harming your wife. But if you're cheating and she never finds out, then everybody's happy. And now here's the thing. Now do the other analogy. with <laughs> Let's say you're a guy. You've been married to the, your wife for 30 years. You have three kids together. You love each other. And then one day you get sadistic. You're like, I want to see what happens if I tell my wife that I cheated, even though I never did. So his penis never entered another right. vagina ever. And he says, honey, I have to come clean. Um, I just want to let you know that I've actually had sex with like 12 different girls during our marriage. Some of them were affairs. Um, I loved some of them. And, but now that's all done, and I only want to be with you, even though none of this happened. He's just putting this in her head for her belief system. Now she's miserable. She's crying. She wants a divorce. How could you do this to me? Even though it never happened. So the, the, the act of infidelity does not hurt the woman. The belief of infidelity hurts the woman. So the male's role, in my view, is to not isn't so much not to cheat, but to give the girl that you love and are with the impression that you're monogamous because that's what's cherished to her, and to be very discreet about cheating, to not rub it in her face, not to do it with her friends. Why? Where if I get back, and then everybody's happy. Again, there's going to be ethical implications, right? People say, oh, well, you shouldn't lie. I'm like, well, that's fine, but that's the only way around it. Now think of it like this. You go in for a job interview, okay? Let's say you, you know, you're just a college person. You're 24 years old. You go in for a job interview, and the job pays fifty thousand dollars a year. And the interviewer, and this is why I tell women, don't ask the guy, "Would you cheat on me?" or stupid questions that you don't want to know the answer to. Because if the interviewer says to the guy interviewing for the job, "If you get, if you're working for us and you get a, a higher job offer, are you going to leave? Or if you win the lottery, are you going to leave?" Well, we all know he's going to leave. I mean, if you're making forty thousand and you get a job offer for one hundred and twenty, you're going to leave. If you get a, if you win the lottery and or inherit ten million dollars, you're probably going to leave and follow your passion or do whatever you're going to do. Now, whatever stupid interviewer would ask that question, of course the respondent's going to say, "No, I wouldn't leave. I mean, you know, I really like uh, accounting, and yeah, I'd have the money, but I'd put it in the bank so it could grow because I know I'd want to have kids later." And you know, he'd make some BS excuse to make the company feel good so that the company would hire him. 
And then when he wins the lotto, which is unlikely, then he'll quit, right? So it's almost like people, men are like in this position where women invariably will say to them when they're dating, so are we exclusive now? Are we exclusive? Are we together? What's our status? Are, are, we, are we like monogamous and exclusive? It's like don't ask that question because you're just putting the guy in a position to lie. Guys are never monogamous. You know, and, and here's the thing, though. <clears throat> not all guys have the same opportunity. So if you're George Clooney, I can guarantee you you're not monogamous because you've got plenty of women throwing themselves right. at you. And if you're uh, the mechanic that's short and still lives at home with your mother, you're monogamous, but not by choice. You're not this nice guy. I felt like the mechanic is just so much more ethical and monogamous than the Hollywood actor because he's chosen not to cheat. No, women respond to social status. Women respond to charisma and personality and height and resources and, and things like this. Hollywood actors and have then And the look. And, and the, yeah, the looks are last for women. I mean, women, women come yeah, in right. and they meet a guy. And, you know, they'll say, women will say superficially that they care about a guy's looks, but they don't. They care about his height. But but that's about it. And the thing is, is you know, I, I, I've done this a million times. Like, hey, what about what about that guy to a girl? Oh no way, he's not attractive. And then they'll she'll hang out with him, and he'll, you know, he'll take care of her when she's sick. He'll give her a ride, let her borrow the car. He'll help fix her light bulb, and all of a sudden she's attracted to him, and he's attractive. That never happens with men ever. Like men, it's like once a girl is like, you know, a six on a scale of one to ten. If she's super cool, maybe she's a seven, maybe an eight. And for a girl, if the guy's a three and he's super cool, now he's an eight or a nine. He, like, jumps, like, way across the, uh, the attractiveness spectrum, um, you know, in that regard. So you have to understand what, what attracts uh, men and women. So the men who are lawyers. I don't know. Doctors, I, th- I think I'm a, I, I'm a little different on that because, like I said, well, okay, I do understand that, yes. Money is a factor, yes, because I do need resources. But at the same time, if you ugly, you just ugly. Yeah, I, but you're I ain't got time for that. Uh, no, because I need well, to go with looks because I need somebody who I can be lean on my shoulder. Somebody be like, well, damn, he looks good. I don't need nobody who looking like he came out the Godzilla movie somewhere stepping out with me. Uh-uh. Get your okay. car. We're so, not going out so here's, until here's my We're not going out until 2 in the morning. Here's my question for you. There's two guys that you can date, okay? Guy A... Guy A is a perfect 10. He's, he's, he's whatever you think the ideal model of attractiveness is for a man. So whether he's chiseled, you know, whatever you think that is, okay? But the same guy okay. lives, lives with his mother, is unemployed, sits someone and plays video games. Uh, and has, he's not very personal. He's just physically attractive, but he's not, he's not outgoing. He's not funny. He's just a very attractive guy. Um, and, and uh, you know, he's, he has no social status or resources, Okay. Or a guy who I would say is attractive, meaning he's a six. He's not ugly. He's not a one or a two. He's a six, right? And he's uh, a physician. Right. makes $250,000 a year. He's got a Mercedes. He lives on the ocean. And he's very uh, emotionally attentive and, and, you know, all these things. I would argue that you would choose a second guy, even though he's four attractive points lower. You're going basically from a perfect 10 supermodel male to a, just a slightly above average looking guy. I think I think most women would go for that second guy. And for men, okay. if you reverse the scenario, you have a woman who is a perfect 10. She's, from, by all male social standards, she's 20 years old, big natural D boobs, thin waist, nice butt, tan, super sexual, but she doesn't work. She's sitting at home playing video games with her friends. Or a girl broke. six, and she's a lawyer, and she makes $200,000 a year, and she has a Mercedes and has a house on the ocean, most men are like, give me the unemployed 10. <laughs> and, 
And that's what I'm talking about, the difference. I mean, nobody wants a one. I mean, everybody well, wants someone who's marginally attractive. You know what I mean? Well, but by the end of the day, like you said, that everybody's going to want who they actually want. Me, particularly, I want someone who can be able to take care of me. Like, for instance, my husband, he does it. Uh, my daughters take care of my daughters, watch out them while I'm at work or whatnot. But as far as it goes, um, that's, see, that's why, that's why I probably couldn't be a lesbian. No, I don't care how cute <laughs> you are. Uh-uh, you broke. You broke? You broke. <laughs> and you sexy? Uh-uh, you need to, you definitely need to get in the adult industry. Get up out of here with your broke self. Uh-uh. I, I am. Exactly. I'm very picky, honey. No, no woman won't want me because I'll be like, no, mm-mm. You, you got money? Uh, that's all you got? Just your assets? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah, bye-bye. <laughs> And I'm also talking about. Remember, it's also a free market system. So if I say to you, well, this isn't. The, I'm, I'm making this is not a true statement. I'm making up. Let's let's assume that everybody wants a Ferrari. If everybody had three hundred thousand dollars, they would buy a Ferrari. Let's make this assumption, even though that's not true. Okay. Ooh, yeah, and I go, well, Joe doesn't. Have, Joe doesn't have. Joe doesn't have a Ferrari. Yeah, but Joe only makes fifty thousand. He can't afford a Ferrari. Mark doesn't have a Ferrari. Right, right. Mark only makes one twenty. He can't. So what I'm saying is, if Mark had a million. He buys a Ferrari. Now, I'm not saying that because that's not true, but what I'm saying is, is there are certain it, – it's all mate value. So if you're an 18-year-old girl that's tan with big natural boobs, thin, 0.7 waist-hip ratio, she has every guy on the freaking planet that wants to go out with her. And I can guarantee you she's not going to choose a guy that doesn't make a lot of money. And if you're a guy that's tall, personable, confident, social status, etc., he can have any girl on the planet, and I can guarantee you he's not dating an old, overweight woman. Notice that the male sexual – selection criteria is primarily physical and that the female sexual selection criteria is primarily resource driven, social status, resources, etc. So a lot of girls will say to me, Oh, well, you know, I'm dating my husband and he's, he just works at target. I'm like, and then I'll say, well, well, if the girl is dating the husband who works at target, I know certain things about the girl. I know she's not a 10 on a scale of one to 10. She's probably just average or below average looking because she's dating the guy that works at target. Now, if the guy works at target, but he's in law school, you know, at the University of Michigan or some good school, then she knows that it's temporary because he has ambition. You know, ambitious men don't just get jobs at Target. Ambitious men go to law school. They go to business school. They go to medical school. So a lot of that is true. Like I, was, I did an interview the other day with this guy, and he's like, you know, I've never cheated on my girlfriend. And I'm like, that, but he probably hasn't had the opportunity to cheat. I mean, a guy I – mean, you know, I saw this little picture on the uh, on the little Skype thing, and I'm like, all right, well, he's not. I mean, I'm not gay, but I'm like, this guy doesn't seem like he's that attractive. He was kind of didn't seem like he had a lot of confidence. And I'm thinking, this guy doesn't have. He's not George Clooney. He doesn't go somewhere and have five girls trying to um, have sex with him. And the other thing that was interesting, I worked on a mainstream shoot, a mainstream set once uh, for this thing, and the director was like a millionaire. Everybody knew who he was. He was some famous director. I forget who it was, but he's not attractive at all. I mean, the guy looks like a like Stephen King. And super hot, young, 20, 21-year-old girls were texting this guy naked pictures of them and saying, what are you doing later? Because this guy is a director. He, has a claim, he, he won Academy Awards. The guy's ugly as hell. Look at Howard Stern. The guy's yeah. ugly. If Howard Stern works at he Starbucks. He is. He's not even a – but he gets loved by so many women. Because, and I don't know. I look at Howard Stern. I was I'll like – Listen, Howard Stern is tall. He's tall, he's funny, he's personable, he has social status, he's successful, he's resourceful, right, he's ambitious, that's what he's makes he's him attractive. That's what women want. You money. take Rosie O'Donnell and give her the same characteristics as Howard Stern, and nobody wants Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, we'll all love her, too. Right. 
You well, see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, like now that you, and you take, now that you made that point, yeah, that does make sense. And he got money because if he was broke and probably tall and still exactly. funny, you'd be like, no, no get your broke funny ass somewhere and sit down. Just a distraction. And then compare. <laughs> broke and, take right. and take a broke-ass hot girl, and all the men want her, even lawyers, doctors, PhD, Nobel Prize winners, 18 and beautiful, I'm in. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, 45, overweight and successful, I don't want a piece of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's okay. There's nothing yeah, I know that's, make, what I, that's what I try to say. Yeah, that's what and I try it to say make, working out, so I can still look good. Listen, it doesn't make <laughs> just because women – generally speaking, are gold diggers. That's not bad. That's good. That's normal. And just because men right, are dogs right. and they go out and have sex and everything, that's not bad. It's natural. I understand that if I'm dating a girl and I lose my job or I lose my ambition, she's probably going to leave me. And I'm okay with that. She should. I would if I was the woman, right? And conversely, if, I I'm, you if I'm dating a girl I give you a good she, she puts on a bunch of weight, I'm probably going to leave too. And it's not because I'm a jerk. I'm just no longer attracted to her because I'm attracted to, to, to you know, 0.7 waist separation girls, as most men are. And that's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> I know that's all you're trying to say, Dave. I just hope for a lot of you know as far as to go with well, black women, you know. Guys, just just try to not tell your wife that, you know, I know some of you out there on Facebook and I know how bound you are, so I advise, I advise your man not to come home and tell you no stuff like that because somebody's going right. to be on Fox 5 News tonight. Yep. Right, baby, yep. I just want to tell you I've been chilling with Shaniqua down the street. Oh, really? All right. Honey, I ain't gonna lie now. If you want to cheat, she better be looking like some damn Beyonce. But if she looking like a <laughs> old Donna, it's time for you to get on up. You and that trick gonna be burnt down in the house. Bye. Get on up out of here with that man. But um, Dave, I want, I definitely, uh, yeah, I might go over a little bit on my show because I definitely want to touch on your book, Obscene Thoughts: A Pornographer's Perspective on Sex, Love, and Dating. Tell us what this book is all about. What we're gonna find in it. Well, first of all, let me plug it. If you go to the website, ObsceneThoughts.com, you can watch some uh, other interview, radio interviews that I've done about this. And you can It's a best-selling book. It hit the bestseller list twice on Amazon. It won an award. It won the Bronze Award in Psychology, psychology at the uh, Ford Clarion uh, Book of the Year Award at the American Library Association Conference. Um, so ObsceneThoughts.com there. And uh, RiskyBusinessTheMovie.com. Again, RiskyBusinessTheMovie.com is the documentary. Uh, that won several awards on the Independent Film Festival circuit, and you can watch the movie there. That's a political and public health documentary about the adult film business. And then PornographyExpert.com is a bio, my bio, as well as all the academic links that support the discussion we're having today. So, so people who are listening to this show and saying, this guy's full of crap, I don't believe it, my, my guy's like that, my woman's like, like go to Pornography Expert, listen to what these economists and social psychologists and um, anthropologists have to say, and then maybe you'll have a, a better understanding of the, sort of the scientific research behind this. Uh, now, to answer your question, uh, obscene thoughts is basically um, I think that our social norms surrounding dating are completely wrong. They're completely outdated. And the analogy of that is this. Before science came about, people actually believed that everything revolved around the earth, right? Because in the Bible, you know, there was the sun, mm-hmm. there was the sun, the moon. You know, it, it, was all around, it was all around the earth, right? And the earth was flat because, like in the Bible, you know, he, Moses took him to a hill and – you can see all of the earth, all of all of the kingdom, right? So, in order, if you're on top of a mountain, the world would have to be flat to see everything. Because if it's round, if you're standing on top of a basketball, you can't see the bottom of the basketball. So, once science came out and said, "Wait a second, there's plenty of evidence to show that actually the Earth goes around the sun, not the other way around," or actually the Earth isn't flat, the Earth is round. It pissed off a lot of people because the Bible said otherwise. So people were were literally jailed, 
killed, persecuted, merely for espousing a scientific position on something that wasn't the prevailing social norm. And what I'm trying to do here is to say this idea behind this that men and women are meant to be just together sexually for the rest of their lives and this sort of marriage and no cheating. And if somebody cheats, they don't love the other person. There's no data to support that. I mean, like, you know, most, most mammals, for example, have sex only for reproduction. Most mammals have sex about a dozen times per birth. Humans have sex a thousand times per birth. We have sex when women are menopausal. We have sex when women are pregnant. We have sex when women are on their period. We have sex when there's no possible way for women to get pregnant. And we still have sex, okay? And the only other, ma- or the other, only other mammals that do that are highly intelligent social mammals like bonobos, chimpanzees, uh, and dolphins. Um, so this idea that you shouldn't have uh, sexual social bonding is silly. In, in a utopian society, in my view, is men and women are still emotionally parabonded or close to each other, but they also have casual sexual relations with their friends, much in the same way that you go to lunch. You know, your wife doesn't get upset that, you went to had a dinner with your friend or coworker. It's like you have to eat. Go ahead and have your, your dinner. And in an, in an ideal society, I think in most of these uh, pre-agricultural hunter-gatherer societies, it was the same way. People were having sex with each other. And remember, they weren't having sex with strangers because back in the day, hunter-gatherer communities were were you know less than 100 is Dunbar's number, less than 150 people in sort of a social society. And hunter-gatherer groups were even smaller than that. But generally, 150 is kind of a peak society. So. If you're growing up in a society and you spent your whole life with 150 people, everybody knows everybody. There are no strangers. So you're not just having sex with these random strangers, but you're having sex to bring yourself closer to the person. I know when I have sex with a girl, I feel closer to her. I don't have to marry her or, or be with her, but I feel like if I have sex with a girl and her car breaks down, I'm more likely to want to help. You know, And I feel like if I go to dinner with a girl and her car breaks down, I'm more likely to want to help. And, and treating sex as this like special you know, sacred thing between men and women is, is crap. I mean, there's no, there's no anthropological, anthropological evidence to support that, especially when you look at bonobo and chimpanzee behavior, which are our two closest, closely most, uh, our genetics are most closely related to them. We share over 99% of our DNA with chimps and bonobos, and they're both highly promiscuous species. And then you start looking at, at other things, like body type, right? Like a gibbon is a monogamous primate. A gibbon mates monogamously, but their, their testicles are inside and their internal testicles and their penis sizes are very, very tiny relative to body mass. Um, Humans, or chimps and bonobos and humans, have their testicles, males, on the exterior of their their bodies, Um, and and our testicle size to body mass is much higher, and that's the highest predictor of promiscuity amongst primates. And if humans were indeed intended to be monogamous, then we would be the only non-tree-dwelling social primate uh, that's that is monogamous, and that just that just, that just doesn't make any sense. And the, and the reason we have this guilt, I think, associated with sex, is religiously motivated, much in the same way about the Earth and the Sun and the flat Earth and all these other things. Is all the opposition to casual sex and legalizing prostitution? This isn't from public health groups. This is from the Christian right, and that's the problem: is is getting religious people to understand the science and to back away from what more and more research every day reveals about the human condition. Well, Dave, I really appreciate you for explaining it all to us. I hope I can have you on the next time, you know, when a topic like that comes up or 
hand thing. I don't think I will be sitting in church tomorrow discussing any of this with the pastor, though. But you know, um, <laughs> look, we all gonna be at the we all gonna be at the pool pit. Look, Miss Day, I need you to come on up to this pool pit right now. I know, right? <laughs> bring your bring your husband and your children. But guys, I, I just want I thank both of you. I thank you for calling in, and Dave, I thank you for being on the air. This has this really was interesting. I mean, it, I mean, it really opened your eyesight to other things. You know, instead of looking at it, oh, it's negative. Oh, it's dirty. Not right. really. I tell people, like I said, they look at me funny. I'm like, honey, yes, I do watch it. Your mother yeah, probably watch it too, and your father is just not telling you. And and, and I appreciate That's you as well for having. I appreciate you. you as well for having me on the show. And on behalf of your listeners, I appreciate you for making the show available for people to listen to. Oh, you're welcome. And I appreciate Blog Talk Let me be able to do this and also um, have it where I can rate it so children won't be listening to it and click on it. So. All right. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you. you are so welcome. You have a blessed one. And you too, caller. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, guys. Take care. You too. And before I leave you, my listeners, the truth of the day is this. It's just simple from my friend Mary Ellen. Today, be a good friend to yourself. No one is going to accept you if you do not accept yourself first. Enjoy the day. And remember, don't let anyone make you feel negative or lessen your joy because we got energy vampires out there every day. Someone's always trying to steal it away from you. So block them off. Make sure you go through your positive affirmations because that helps me a lot of times. And God bless you, and I'll see you the next time around on the Bright Side with Technicia. Thanks for listening to the Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. 